Hello, friends and neighbors. Welcome to the Monster Ate the Pilot Show. It's the podcast that is hosted by me, Brandon. It's creator, host, talent, and model. Hmm. Um, it is Thursday, so it's the Sports Talk Show. Uh, the show where I talk about sports, surprisingly enough. Um, yeah, we're going to go over a crew game. We're going to preview a crew game. We're going to talk about Jordan Henderson leaving Liverpool. Not the politics stuff, though, like I talked about last week. And then i got some sad news. i got to go over, man. i got to go over it. i got to go over it because you are glad it happened. Um, but if you haven't noticed already, if you are watching the video on Spotify, Brandon has moved his equipment. So now he is in a different part of the music room. Um, why is that? I hate how this thing is never... Steady. It feels like it's about to fall over all the time. Whatever. Shut up. Uh, yeah, I moved stuff over. Now I have more room on the desk to clutter it up with other things. Instead of this, also, I wasn't using the sofa table for much of anything. So I'm like, why don't I just put it there and sit on the stools? And Brandon's like, man, I come up with some great-ass ideas. Good idea, Brandon. Um, yeah, if you like what you've heard, spread a good word. Anywhere podcasts are available, you can find Monster 8 the Pilots. Sun- or Mondays for the proper show. Uh... Thursdays for the sports show. I was on LFC Transfer Room earlier today. Um, so if you want to go check out me being completely, like, just, like, holy shit, these people know a lot more than me about the footy, go check out that episode, LFC Transfer Room. LFC Transfer Room, man. It was a fun time. Thank you. Thanks to them, uh, Damien, um, Harm, and uh, Dan for having me on. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. I'll try to see if I can do that weekly or something like that. Figure something out. Anyways, let's jump into the sad, sad news. Um, Right? I don't think I have anything else to talk about. Let's jump into the sad news. It's official. My love of hockey is dead. It's dead. I don't give a fuck about hockey anymore. Uh, Sorry, my footages. Patrice Bergeron, the captain of my captains... The one true captain of all sports, the captain of my life, has decided to hang up his skates, retire, call it a day on a 19-year career, and that saddens me a lot. Like, uh, I said it last year during the offseason, it's like, man, once Bergeron retires, I don't know how much more I'll watch, and I'm definitely feeling that right now, man. It, it It's a big, empty hole when I think about the Bruins right now, um, especially with no Bergie. Oh, Bershey was the best, the consummate professional, the just, I mean, there's not anybody in the league has a bad word to say about the guy. They all idolized the guy. They wanted him on their team. He's the perfect teammate. He's the perfect captain. He's a perfect player. Best two-way centerman to ever play the game. Don't at me, bro, with some random dude that I've never heard of from the 40s. Also, I mean, come on, really? Uh, but yeah, six Selkies speak for itself. When you consider that the other years when he finished like runner-up, like, it's, like, commonly known that the voters like, yeah, we just felt like giving it to somebody else besides Bergeron. It's like, yeah, it's like he would have probably won 9 or 10 <laughs> if, if the if the voting was done correctly. And it's like, we just vote on the best one. He would run one of them, like, 10 of them. You know, the best two-way centerman to ever play the game. Um, good-looking dude. He was everything. He was professional. He was a leader. He was, he, he was, man, you can't say he was, oh, he was cool. All hockey players are cool, so I mean, you don't get you don't get extra points for that. But man, I just wanted to hang out with him one time. I got really close to him that one time uh, when I got tickets right behind the bench. I uh, came in like right after the game as he's taking an interview, and I got to take a picture where I was really close to him. And man, 
I'm going to miss Bergie a lot. I'll still keep up with the Bruins. Obviously, if they're good, I'll watch them more. But, man, I really thought he may have given it another go. Because he's still a good player. It's not like he's like kind of falling off and he's like more in the way. I mean, he's still like a top-two centerman. Like, you know? I think it's most of the concussion stuff. Bergie had quite a few concussion things early in his career. Um, early on, where been talked about he may have to retire like in his early 20s because of him. Um, but obviously he fought back from that. He got the hoist of Stanley Cup because he's a badass. He got his finger bit in that series. And he scored the game-winning goal in Game 7. So how about that for comeuppance, man? Um, he's a better man than me because if I would have got my finger bit in Game 1 and I scored the game-winner in Game 7... I would have been skating by that opponent's bench, biting my middle finger. I'm like, ha ha, take that shit. Got Alex Burroughs. What a bitch. But nope, Bergie just puts his head down, does the work, wins it professionally, wins it like a champion, because he was a champion, man. Um, yeah, I mean, in a couple months, my favorite Liverpool player leaves, and my favorite Boston Bruin player retires. So, sad days in sports worlds, man. Sports worlds is sad. Um... Nah, it's, it's just a huge hole. It's just a huge hole now in my heart where Patrice Bergeron resides. I mean, it's not empty. Obviously, Patrice Bergeron is still alive. It's not like he died, thank God. I'll cry when he does. Um, man. He's one of those guys, like, when you, like, ever watch a sport, there are certain players in any sport that you, like, you know, it's like, oh, if I had kids or, you know, when I start teaching my, kid, teaching my kids how to play this game, I'm going to teach them to play like that. And that's what Bergeron was. He was the guy who's like, I'm going to teach my kids to play that way. That's the right way you play the game. You know? Yeah, he'd, he would throw down a scrap if he had to. He wasn't great at it. I remember he went with Malkin one time in the playoffs. He wasn't a scrapper, but he still hit. He still did the defensive work. He did the dirty work. But he's still a great offensive player. This team's going to miss him. The city's going to miss him. And I'm going to miss him. So congratulations, Patrice Bergeron, on an absolutely stellar career. Um, one of the great careers in Boston Bruins history. I mean, there's only a couple Bruins you could say were better than he was. One number, I mean, I was going to say number one is number four, Bobby Orr, but it doesn't roll off the tongue. Number four, Bobby Orr, obviously. Um, well, maybe Cam Neely? Esposito? I mean, he's definitely, he's there. He's on like the, he should be on like the Mount Rushmore Boston Bruins players. Because uh, he was, he, he's a phenomenal, phenomenal player. Phenomenal person, too. Great career. Great person. Thank you once again, Bergie. Enjoy retirement. You have earned it. Um, if you ever coach, please coach the Bruins because I would love to jump in and watch you hoist another Stanley Cup as a coach. My guy. Oh, it sucks. It sucks. My heart just ripped out, man. Now let's talk about another captain leaving. Let's talk about Jordan Henderson and his career at Liverpool without talking about where he's going and how that kind of affects his legacy. Uh, but we do have to talk about something that kind of weirdly affects his legacy in some way. Like he put out his like, like, you know, uh, you know, people leave, you know, places and then, you know, they send out like a nice little, you know, thanks for, you know, thanks to all these people who helped me while I was here, blah, blah, blah. And, like, I guess he doesn't have, no, nobody has to do that if they don't want to. You do that when you leave a job. Like, oh, you know, you know, enjoyed working with all you people. But he sent, like, a, out, like, a four-line thing. It was just like, yeah, you know, oh, like, 12 years, did everything. Um, I'm a red till I'm dead. And thanks for everything. You'll never walk alone. It was very short. 
And it was very odd. It was like, because we talked about an LC transfer room um, available on YouTube um, about how it seemed fake. It seemed like he didn't write that. He didn't do anything to do that. I said, like, it seemed like he put it, like, in the chat GPT, like the AI thing, and it said, you know, this is what I want it to be like. Write this for me. And that's what it gave him, and he just put it out there. Like, he's already in Saudi Arabia training. Like, he was gone. It was like, deuces, I'm out. You know? He must not really like the idea that he was going to be taking a back seat. Which is kind of weird to me because, I mean, if anybody would have seen the performance of last year coupled with his age, he should have known that was coming. That, you know, with Milner out the door, he was going to basically slide into that Milner role. But we got to talk about Henderson, the player. I talked about it a little bit last week. You know, he's the connection to, like, the truly the first summer where I actually gave a shit about Liverpool. There was, like, the first year I was kind of a fan, and I didn't even know what was going on. Uh, I didn't know how you found news. And then... That second summer, the summer with Kenny Daglish as the manager, um, he was part of that first crop of players that came in for me. So he's the last connection to the original, like, kind of Liverpool team for me. Um, he struggled, just like everybody who signed that summer. He struggled that first year. Uh, I'm trying to put it all together, the timeline. If I'm thinking correctly, after that first year, Rodgers comes in and he just he wants to get rid of him. He wants him out the door. He wants Clint Dempsey in, which, thank God we didn't do that. And then he wanted Henderson out the door. Henderson decides, no, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying in the fight for my place. And he played much better the next season, but couldn't get much worse than that first season. It wasn't just him. Like Downing was horrible. Charlie Adam was an atrocity. In a Liverpool shirt, he was so bad. Uh, Enrique started off okay, then went downhill fast. Uh, Donny had like heart problems, so he was not around. Quatez never broke through. Andy Carroll was awful. Suarez was really good, though. Surprised, really. Suarez was really good. No, but Henderson Stacey has a better second year, and then we have that title charge year. And man, he was great that year. I don't think people remember that he was like really, really good that year for us. Um, just doing the job, you know, because Stevie couldn't move. He couldn't do, like, anything in the midfield as much as he used to. He didn't quite have that engine anymore because his legs were kind of going. I mean, I think he was, like, 33, 34 at that point. Um, so Henderson had to do a lot of the dirty work, and he did the dirty work. He fucking loved it. And if he doesn't get suspended because of the red card against Man City in the game we won 3-2, we win the title that year, in my opinion. I think we win the title that year if we don't, if he doesn't get, like, red carded. Um, that's how important he kind of was to that team. And then he had some injury issues the next couple seasons. And then Klopp comes in and he gets his brand new lease on life. Like a brand new lease on life. He becomes the focal point. I mean, he got the captaincy like a couple years before that. Some people didn't like that. But I try to remember that team and like who else would it have been. Like who else would have gotten the like been the captain of that team in those kind of middling years in the mid-2000s. I can't remember. Like, you wouldn't have given it to Lovren because Lovren was a disaster at Liverpool for most for the most part. You wouldn't have given it to... I don't think you gave it to Lalana. He wasn't playing that well either. Whatever. Getting focused on different details. But he gets his brand new lease on life under Klopp, and he becomes a stud. He did. He became a great... He's a stud. Like, uh, we talked about the, the show earlier. I was just like, you know, if he's not a legend, he's like the step below that. He's like just below that level. You know? Maybe he's not a Gerrard, but who is? You know? There's only... What? How many players in our history would rate against Gerard? You put Gerard and like Daglish there. 
Maybe John Barnes, when he was healthy, you put him there. Maybe Suarez, in terms of talent, you put him there. You know, Henderson was all about making the most of what he had. And he was great at it. I mean, there's a reason he's captain. The most endearing image to me over this time in Liverpool, especially Klopp's era, is him and Klopp embracing after the Champions League final when we won the Champions League. That's the most endearing image of the Klopp regime for me. Not anything else. It's that moment with Jordan Henderson. Um, he's been a very important. It is sad that he's leaving the way he's leaving. And almost like he's forced his way out in a way. He kind of has in a way. He's kind of forced himself out. I mean, he still could be a solid player, solid leader for this group. Um... Same time, I don't know, you know. I'm going to miss Jordan Brian Henderson. He was a great captain. He was a great representative of Liverpool. He was a great player in his time. You know, there was a couple years ago, there was talks, like the year, I think we won the title, there was even like chatter about should he win the player of the year? You know, so there, I mean, was that realistic? Not really. I don't think he was the best player in the league, but I mean, he was fantastic that year we won the title. We used fantastic basically every year with Klopp, except maybe like last year. But like, who wasn't... <laughs> Who was great last year? Who was the guy you looked at last year? He's like, man, he's had a fantastic season. Allison. That's it. Like, you know, Mo had a great scoring record, but I mean, early in the year, he was kind of meh. There were so many guys who were just like, eh. You know, Yakpo kind of comes on late. Um, Yoto was hurt all season. Darwin was up and down. Trent, you know, had a great run of form towards the end of the season, just like Curtis Jones. But there was multiple times where Trent decided walking was the best form of defense when he gets beat. Like the half jog, like you know, where like you're like moving as if you're jogging, but you're like going slower than an actual walk. He did that multiple times with multiple goals last year. Virgil didn't even have a good year. So many guys were hurt and just, eh, you know. Robertson, I think Robertson might be like the only one of the outfield players like could say, yeah, I had a pretty good year last year, and he was even below his usual standards. Right? I don't know, man. So I th I think there's a part of the Liverpool fandom that never truly accepted Henderson, and I think it's because he took the you know the cap he became the captain after Gerrard, so they always just kind of meant, automatically became linked in their minds like well he's not Gerrard it's like he's not supposed to fucking be he's supposed to just be a leader out there, you know I see people out there saying it's like oh you know we didn't have Henderson we'd have won two more uh, leagues I'm like no we probably wouldn't have we probably would not have I don't really see I mean. Yeah, we dropped some points here and there. But you got to think, we put up the third greatest Premier League total ever and lost to the team that put up the second greatest Premier League total ever. Like, what more can you really do? Like, realistically, we put up 98 points. The third best, like, point total in uh, Premier like the Barclays Premier League history. Like, there's not... No, you can't say, well, we could have done this in this game. Cool. You know how many times over the years where... I don't know. Over that whole season, we probably shouldn't have gotten a point, but we earned a point just because we just happened to be so much better. Like, it just, you know, it's just weird. It's just weird that, you know, they've kind of nitpicked his career now. But, like I said, I think he goes just below Legend. Because, I like, I only keep, like, in Legendum, like, the Legendarium, like, only a few players. Like, you know, I don't want to put... Like, I don't even think Moe's quite legendary status yet. He's as, he's closer than Henderson is. Like, he's, like, basically... If he has another great year this year, he's yeah, he's obviously a legend. Actually, I don't know. Moe's probably a legend. Bobby. Mane. You just kind of have to put that front three. Mane, uh, Firmino, and Salah into the legend status just because they were legendary. Um, Virgil, I think, is right below that. I think if we can win another title or a couple more trophies... Virgil gets in the legend status. Yeah, he's you know he's Rolls Royce. He's the best center back in the world on his day, but I think he's just below a legend. You know what I mean? 
I don't know, I'm just very picky about legends. It's like it's Daglish, it's Gerard, it's Rush, it's John Barnes before he gets hurt. Let's see. Obviously, you put like Shankly and Paisley, like the managers and stuff like that in there. There's other players I'm missing. Did I say Jared? Yeah. Hmm. I could probably think of it. If I sat here like Billy Liddell and stuff like that, like the old school guys, I could probably easily put in there. Ian St. John. Uh, right? Yeah. I could put those guys in there. I'm not going into that. But anyway. Also, I guess, thank you, Jordan Henderson, for a great career at Liverpool. You gave it your all every single game, and that's all really we could ever ask for. You know, he wasn't the greatest player of all time. He wasn't, you know, Gerard. He wasn't Steven Gerrard, but he was Jordan Henderson. He didn't try to be Gerrard, so. And he did a good job of being Jordan Henderson. So thank you for that. And uh, just enjoy that place over there. And then it looked like for a second Fabinho was not leaving... And was staying because, like, there was rumors. I guess it got shot down. I was like, no, it's not. That's not real. That he, I guess, he owns bulldogs, like French bulldogs or English bulldogs. I'm not sure which one. And apparently, they're banned in Saudi Arabia. Why? I don't understand why those dogs would be banned. Like, you know, I kind of get with the narratives that are put on, like Rottweilers or pit bulls, that you know you can't have them in Saudi Arabia, they just ban them or something like that. I can get, because of that narrative that surrounds those dogs, whether I think it's much more bad ownership. I do think those dogs do have a, like a, probably like a predisposition towards that stuff, but obviously a great owner who doesn't push them to that, they won't do it. I don't know. I don't know anything about dogs. I don't know anything about dogs' behavior. This is a sports show, Brandon. Shut the hell up. But why would bulldogs be banned? Whether it's maybe it's just something where you know, like, because I know like bulldogs and pugs have like evolutionary. They have if issues breathing, like they don't breathe very well. Maybe that has something to do with Saudi Arabia. Like Saudi Arabia is like you know they don't breathe well. They don't like they're not able to live here. So they just ban them. Maybe I don't know. I don't know anything. Um. Yeah. But now it looks like the Fabinho moves back on. I think it's probably finished up tomorrow. Uh, Lavia should be through the door, I'd say, early next week. I would think we had a bid rejected by Southampton. I think we've already came in with another one. Um, I think we're talking on the show today, trying to get uh, it over the line before we go to Singapore. Probably not going to happen. He's probably going to have to join up during the Singapore tour. Um, I don't know. I personally think, and we kind of talked about it, we need another, like, especially now that we just lost two midfielders. We need two more to replace. Like, you know, whether it's Lavia. Like, Lavia comes in. I still think we need two after that. Because basically, like I thought I said before the year, like before the transfer window and way back, way back when, I think throughout the whole season, this team doesn't need one midfielder. Needs three. Needs three midfielders. And we brought in two already. And we're about to bring in, it looks like we're going to bring in a third. But we just lost two. So we'll do all the math there. <laughs> need two more after this. Uh, Paulinho from... Uh, Fulham dislocated his shoulder, and by the time he comes back, it's like, yeah, it's kind of, I don't know, whatever. So it seems like he's probably off the table right now. I uh, would love Thurum from the French League. I think he would, Thuram, or how you say his name, I'm sorry. Um, he would be phenomenal, I think, personally. Um, that's just me. That's just me, you know. I don't know him that much, I guess. And then we need a center back. We still need a center back. I know they're talking about Colwell. Um, I just don't think Chelsea's going to sell to us. I don't think they're going to, especially a young kid like that. I don't think they're going to sell to us. So we've got to figure out something there. We've got to get a center back in. Because we talked about it on the show today. Uh, next year, I think Gomez is on a f- out. 
and so is Matip. I know Matip's definitely leaving at the end of this contract, which is up at you know next year, and I think Gomez would be gone. I don't know. I'd have to look at his contract, which leaves us with Virgil, and Virgil's going to be like 31 this year, then I think to 32 next year. Can't expect him to play forever. So, got to... Uh, Need to get need to get started on this stuff sooner. This is where the, where this team got into this problem where we kind of got old and we, all of our legs were ran and basically everybody's tired and exhausted and they don't have the energy to go again. Um, is because we weren't rebuilding when we needed to. I've talked about being ruthless. We needed to be ruthless years ago. Like as much as I love James Milner, he should have been out of the team like like a couple years ago. I've said that I think all three sports talk episodes, just like how I've talked about how All Star games are trash and all two sports talk episodes so far without realizing it. Um, you know, Milner should have been out door a couple years ago. And as I said, actually, a couple times, Henderson probably should have been going this season, uh, this summer. Fabinho I would not have gotten rid of, but at the same time, we're being offered the same amount we paid for him, basically, and he's like four years older and his legs do kind of seem a little bit gone. I mean, he can still do the job if need to. So, you can't really say no to that. Uh, but perfect world, he'd be sticking around. But yeah, we should have been doing this for years. We should have been, re- we should have been basically refilling the coffers or however you want to say it, but re- reloading this team as we go. But no, FSG with their business model has decided to wait to the last second to do all of this, and then you know, not doing enough, just getting one more key signing over the door, like over the line, and say, ah, oh, look what we did. We spent all this money, and then no, nah. like you know, it was a point of pride for a while. The whole net spend of us not spend overspending for players, or you know, basically spending what we made. It was cool, but now it's just like, now aren't we like super rich? We're like one of the super rich clubs, and we don't spend because we don't have the money. It's like, uh, I think Damo said it. He was just like, you know, we're the poorest rich club in the world, you know? Richest, yeah. It's just ridiculous. So, yeah, this team needs to get started on this stuff sooner. Like, in my mind, we, like, if Kellerher goes, we obviously need a backup keeper because like, Adrian is not the backup keeper. He's just kind of he's a personality for the room. I'm cool with that. If he understands his role, awesome. Um, but we'd need a backup keeper if he goes. So I think they're going to try and keep him, which I kind of feel bad for Kelly. I think it's time for him. I think it's time to see if he is actually worth a number one shirt somewhere out there. I don't know. Not talk about Liverpool. Let's talk about the Columbus Crew. Let's just talk about the Columbus Crew and their win. Over the St. Louis City FC team. I don't know if they have a stupid nickname or not. Um, let's break it down. I did not go because there was a crazy rainstorm that whole night. So the game did not get started until like 11.30 at night, my time, which is also their time. So, like, yeah, the game was over by 1.30. Like, a little bit after 1.30, I think, is when the game finished. <laughs> which I was being dumb and couldn't figure out why they just didn't postpone it. Because I'm like, they could just play this game a couple of days. It's not like they got to worry about an MLS game this weekend. And then it's like, duh, America and uh, Club America and St. Louis have to play midweek. <laughs> I was being dumb. I really do not like the setup for this League's Cup. I do not like these three team groups. It seems, like watching it, it seems wildly unfair to St. Louis. St. Louis seems like they completely got boned in this situation. Because they came out, they didn't play Berkey, they didn't play Klaus up top. Um, they made subs, like, they almost seemed like to them like a preseason game. They are making subs on the 60-minute market. Like, as soon as it hit 60, they had, like, two or three guys coming on. It's, like, almost like planned substitutions because they knew that they had to play again in, like, three days. 
Um, it was just, I don't know. It, I'm just like, man, it seems really unfair to them because, like, you know, they're really behind the eight ball now. By losing the game against us, now they have to win against Club America or they're out. Basically, if if Club America beats them, the crew can go play Crew 2 or whatever the stupid name is for the under uh, the young team. They need to come up with a decent name for them, not Crew 2. It's stupid. Columbus Crew 2. I don't know. Call them the Hudson Street Hooligans or some shit. Um, give them a name, you know? Um, The Capybaras or whatever they call them. Uh, no, so if Club America beats St. Louis, the crew are already through. They're already through. But St. Louis, knowing they had to play in three days, didn't play at full strength. So, like, it was... I don't know, it just seems like it's set up for that, where, like, there's one team that gets completely screwed by how the schedule works. So, I don't know. I don't really like this setup at all. Um, benefits the crew, big time, because we get to take a whole week off between games. So, actually takes, like, yes, over seven days, because, we, well, technically the game finished on Monday, so it's only a week. <laughs> Stupid. But, first 15 minutes... Uh, I kind of broke the game down in the 15 minutes uh, blocks. First 15 minutes, with actually within the first like couple minutes, I'm like, this is a game we should be winning. Like you know, no Berkey, no Klaus. Uh, we were controlling like kind of possession. Once we kind of like they came out like a little bit stronger, just like in the first couple minutes, and then once we got the kind of a handle on the ball, we were so much better. But the only issue in the first 10 minutes was Gustavo Valencia. He was really bad in the first 10 minutes, really bad. Really bad. Over-aggressive, leaving Emerson uh, and Zawadzki out the dry. Just, he went for a big slide tackle in the in midfield and whiffed. And not like, oh, like, ooh, if he wins that, you know. He didn't come freaking close to winning. Didn't come freaking close to winning that ball in the midfield. And from there, it's like a four-on-two break. Uh, luckily, you know, Shawnee and Emerson are able to stop the counterattack. Good work there. Um, and then there was another point where he comes, like, Valiant City comes up to, like, kind of meet the player, but he takes the wrong angle, and the player just goes flying by him. And it's like, oh, he took a horrible angle. And once again, good ball into the box, but, you know, we deal with it well. Um, yeah, he was just leaving everybody out the dry. And, ugh. But about the 10-minute mark, uh, Nagby goes across the box. He gets taken down for a free kick. And I cannot figure out what the hell happens on this free kick from St. Louis's perspective. I'm not sure if this is a goal, uh, keeper call or if this was the player himself's call, but they made the wrong call, and it was obviously the wrong call when they did it. So basically, they have the you have Lucas on the ball, Yaboa standing there as well. You have the wall, then you have the keeper. Say, um, say if you're watching the video, you're facing me. I'm the keeper. I'm on the right side of the goal, and he has another guy on the post on the left side. So it's kind of covered. It's covered. You know, Lucas has to put in a perfect ball at the perfect pace for that to go in. You know, he's got to put it in top corner where a guy just can't jump up and head it up. It, it's going to be a really tough one. And whistle blows, and they're kind of looking over. And then the guy on the post goes up and stands off to the side of the wall as if he's going to cover maybe, like, if Lucas tries to feed Yaboa. But I'm like, they're too... The angle doesn't work for Yaboa to get in around that because a guy from the wall can easily cover that. And, like, it's not like he can take a shot from there. It just becomes a incredibly difficult angle. So it's like, why are you going to cover that? Are you trying to cover that run? That's a very dumb call. And then Lucas puts it right where the guy had been standing three seconds before. So 1-0, crew, thank you for that one. Good free kick, 1-0. Completely calmed the game down. The crew were so much better than St. Louis for a lot of this game. Uh, Valiant C completely calms down for the next 75 minutes, and we'll get to that last 10 minutes. Um, I thought, like, 
you know, I thought we were just so much good, so much better than them. We really should have been up 2-0. Lucas, uh, not Lucas, I'm sorry. Cucho has played very well this season. I'm, pre- I'm prefacing this, that Cucho has been really good this year. He's been really good for us. His playmaking has been phenomenal. His shooting has not been phenomenal. Um, he has a good ball on the left-hand side. He cuts in on the right foot, and he puts it off the outside of the post. He's got to make the keeper make the save there. He's close enough, the keeper has to make the save. There's so many times where, I mean, he is like six inches away from being the leading scorer in the MLS. That's how, like, this close he is, like, really firing off, but he continuously puts on the outside of the post, or just misses, or makes the wrong decision in the wrong area. Like when he tried to chip the Orlando City keeper for, was it Orlando City? Maybe it was Inner Miami. Where he tried to uh, chip one time. It's like, what are you doing? There's no reason to try to chip. You can just go right around the keeper and just lay the ball in. But you try to chip because it's a cute thing. Kucho tries to be cute, cute sometimes. Cute, cute. I say cute, cute. Shut up. Um, just put the ball in the back of the net. Think of your options later. Um, yeah, so I mean, he's got to find the shooting boots. If he finds the shooting boots and really gets going, this team comes pretty close to unstoppable going forward. Um, I think the only negative really in the first half hour was that it felt like, outside of Valencia's first 10 minutes, was that Ramirez seemed like a half-step slow. It seemed like he was working just like a half step slower than everybody else, like both mentally and physically. Like he couldn't quite get to this ball. This pass doesn't quite come off. He's going left when he should have been going right. There was just little bits of like that. So he just seems a little out of form at the moment. Nothing like that worrying because they still can get himself in good positions. He had a really good ball that uh, shot late in the second half that was saved. Um, he did a good work. He presses well. He does his job. He's not, you know, doesn't have like, he's not your prototypical like pressing forward. Um, he can do it. He knows, he knows, the mental side of it, which is good. He you know, doesn't have quite the pace that you want from a, like a truly top-end pressing forward, but he does the job really well, and he's willing to do the job, which is also very important. So I'm not, like, blasting him. I thought he played decently. It was just he seemed a little bit off here and there. Um, in the second 15 minutes, man, they kind of kept putting us under pressure, and this was like Big Willie style ball, Willie Nancy. This is Big Willie style ball at its finest. He's inviting all this pressure, and we're passing through it no problem. As soon as we pass through it, we are breaking at speed. Um, it was really good to watch. Aiden was a monster in this game. I thought he was so good from beginning to end. He, The way he received the ball, the way he's passing the ball, the way he's spraying it around. Defensively, he's breaking up plays. He was everywhere. He, this is maybe Aiden's best game of the season because he was phenomenal. Um, I want to talk about Yaya Boa. If you would have, uh, two months into the season, if you would have asked crew fans who's the worst signing in crew history, Yaya Boa would be number one. He's been pretty much, he was pretty much awful last year, and he was pretty bad in the first couple weeks of this season as well. Just kind of, what is your what are you what is your role in this team? I could not figure. I, you know, you'd watch him playing. You're like, what is his role out there? Is his role just kind of to stand off to the side, not knowing what to do? You know, is he a right fielder in little league where you just put him out there and just hope there's no left handers on the other team? Hopefully, nobody goes opposite field because that kid can't throw, he can't run, he can't catch. So we just put him over there. That's what it seemed like. They just kind of put him over there. Never played that side. But since he's moved to left wing back, he has improved immensely. His final ball still needs some work. Physically, he's not a great defender, but he uses his athlete, his natural born athleticism, his acceleration going forward. He has a really good touch. Like there's a lot of times when they put the ball in there, he makes a really good aggressive touch going forward. Um, if he can get the final ball down, really good left wing back. But we just got the uh, 
I can't think of his name. We just got him from Vancouver. Who's going to play right wing back, if I'm thinking correctly. So we got to figure out what Mo's going to do. Um, yeah, I'm excited about this signing. He's an assist machine. And he's going to feed... Oh, it's going to be good. I think it's going to be really good. I can't think of his name. Oh, I think it starts with a G. Gressel? I can't remember. But yeah. And talking about Yah being great when he's attacking the ball forward, Mo's basically the flip to that. Like He's fantastic defensively at a wing back. Going forward, he's so indecisive. Like he always receives the ball and has to like make his decision when he gets the ball. What he's doing next. Is he gonna try to beat the man? Is he gonna make a pass? Like there was a ball coming in, it's like he can either take it first time or he's gotta put the ball in. He takes a touch and the counterattack is dead. As soon as he takes a touch and looks up, the counterattack is dead. He just killed it himself. Just because he needed a touch to make his decision. It's like, no, you need to make that first time. Either fucking fire it. Fire it and take the shit if you put it in the upper rows. You know, take the shit from your teammates. But make a decision before the ball gets to you. You need to be playing two or three steps ahead. But defensively, there's no reason to complain about Mo Farsi. He's fantastic defensively. And he's been really good defensively this year. Um, He just needs that decisiveness going forward in his game. I think that's the next big step for him. Can he get that decisiveness at wing back? Uh, Oh, man. What else do we have going on here in the second 15? Yeah. We get a penalty in the 29th minute. So, we basically were at the end of the 29th. In the 29th minute, get a penalty. Um, Twelman, Taylor Twelman, was the color commentator for this game. Uh, I will give ups. I thought the announcing was much better in this game than it had been in previous Apple TV games. Um, Twelman does a really good job. He talks a lot. He does talk a lot, which I usually complain about with color commentators, that they talk, if you're talking way too much. But he's always building up something in the game. Whether it's a team, whether it's an individual player, or something going on around the league, he's always building something up. It's always kind of like a positive thing he's talking about. He's not just talking. He's always trying to build something. Um, so I enjoy actually listening to 12 minutes a little bit. Um, but he's like, oh, it could be kind of harsh on the penalty. I don't think it's harsh at all. I think it's 100% the right call. It's always the right call. Um Ball comes in. It looks like I think it's Cucho tries to get it around the player. The player has his arm, has his arm up and out, like shoulder height out, and it hits off his hand. One hundred percent a penalty, every time, every time. Now, if he would have got like a red card, that'd have been unbelievably harsh. But it's a penalty every single time. It'd be different if his arms behind him, or if his arms down at like by his like you know his hip and his knee and his thigh. Like that's where his hands at. That's harsh. But if it's up and out like that. That's 100% a penalty every single time. Not harsh at all. Cucho steps up, puts it away. Boom, boom, 2-0. The crew kind of get lethargic there for about five or six minutes after this. Get get, uh, pinned back by St. Louis and a good press. We were trying way too hard to break the press, like, real quick and, like, spring an attack instead of just kind of controlling the ball and working our way out for a second or just kind of taking a second and kind of, you know... Figuring out what we're doing. There's a point where the ball goes out. Aiden quickly takes a throw. And it's like, why are you taking a quick throw? Like, he goes right to Lucas, and then St. Louis takes the ball right off of him. And now the pressure's right back on. There's a ball over the Mo, And then, I don't know if Mo took a bad touch or if he didn't know what he was doing when he got the ball. But he allows the pressure to surround him. And then, yeah, it goes back. And it, it was like, what the hell? Like, you know, we had a couple different times to alleviate the pressure, but we couldn't. We just, you know, made some bad decisions. But it wasn't that catastrophic of decisions like later in the game um evan bush was in goal he played really well in some corners and he was doing some nice veteran gamemanship where he was just like 
he took like uh, one St. Louis player and literally like just kind of pushed him like five yards and then let the ref come in and like say, "Hey, you can't do that." And while he's while the ref's telling him he can't do that, he's continuing to do it right in front of the ref while like staring and talking to the ref. <laughs> he's still like just pushing this guy away. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. Um, I like Evan Bush. He's a very good like backup keeper, especially at this level. Um, yeah, like I'm trying to think if like yeah after that second goal, let's see. I mean, we controlled the game so well, and Aiden's such a stud at this level. He was a monster in this first half. Uh, second half, we have an early chance. Christian Ramirez latches onto a back pass. Can't get by the keeper. Can't get it past the keeper. He has to get it by the keeper. Those opportunities have to be put away. Keeper does a good, do a good job, but he's got to find a way to get that ball in the back of the net. Oh, he's got to find a way to win a corner. He's got to find a way to put us in an advantageous uh, yeah, position. He gets like kind of half a shot off, and then he's kind of standing there and can't figure out, you know, can't find a pass, and then eventually St. Louis gets the ball back. It's like, oh, you have to find a way to win that ball. At the same time, we suck at corners, so it's like we win a corner, it's just basically St. Louis ball anyway. Ha! Then, we say played really well in that start of the second half. We pressed very well. We were constantly keeping back. St. Louis really didn't have n- many opportunities at all. They didn't have hardly anything until the very end. Uh, of course, because of course they do. Um, I liked how well, we, like all of our movement was incisive. We were constantly, we weren't, like, cycling possession that often. You know, like, cycling from, like, right wing back and kind of through the center backs over to left wing back or midfield back, you know. Every single time we got the ball, somebody was making a run forward, and we were trying to find that guy. It was really good, exciting football. We were constantly incisive movement, incisive passing all game long. And it was really fun to watch. Big Willie style, man. Um... Yeboa, uh, Ramirez puts one away, but Yeboa was offside. Nagby has to release that, like, quicker. He takes two extra touches. Yeboa has the step. You, yeah, watching the replay, Yeboa has that step all day. He could put that ball anytime, and Yeboa's winning that foot race. But he takes two extra steps, and Yeboa strays offside. Um, Apple TV has to be better at their replay system because it's garbage. Just get somebody who knows how to pause properly because they don't know how to do it. <laughs> they, they screwed up like three or four different times when trying to go back and like pause a replay, pausing in the wrong spot, pausing it too late, too early, just like all over the place. Like, what the hell? Not going back to them. It's like not rewinding. Oh, I was like, get somebody in the, uh, you know, what is it, the uh, production van out there that knows what he's doing or something. I don't know. It was really bad. Um, then from there, I mean, we were effectively killing off the game. Like, the new lad comes on. Um, not much is going on at all. We're killing the game pretty well. We're still creating a few chances going forward. Um, and then I go down and type something, look up. Valiant C has got two guys on him. And he plays it off one of them. And then I think Sean uh, Zawaski has to concede a corner off of it. And from that corner, ball gets kind of flicked. And then it hits off Russell Rowe, flips up over Evan Bush and into the back of the net in the 85th minute. It's like, where the hell did this come from? What the hell is Valiancia doing? How's he getting caught in possession with two guys? Like, mm. And then right after the kickoff, I think Valiancia is completely out of position, if I'm thinking correctly. I may have to see it again. Um, ball comes in, and we eventually play it off. Like, we end up doing it. And I think it's Zawaski, maybe it's Amundsen who just stands up. It's like, calm the fuck down. And it's like, 
We gave up some free kicks. St. Louis is the best dead ball team in the entire league, and we're giving them really good dead ball opportunities towards the late game. I don't understand why this team can't kill games. I just don't understand it. It drives me up the wall. Why this team can't effectively kill a game. Cannot do it. We have to make it exciting by the end. Every single game is you're on pins and needles. We need a 4-5 or five nil lead like to feel safe. And like This cannot keep happening. I was hoping, obviously, when Porter goes, that this stuff would stop. Like, you know, if this stuff, like, but no, it continues. You know, we're still giving up late goals. We're still, you know, playing these really exciting matches that have no reason to be exciting. This game was dead at the 85th minute. And then all of a sudden, it was like edge of your seat shit for the last 10 because there was five minutes of extra time. Like, what the hell is going on here? We've got to learn how to kill these games. I'm not sure if it's a depth issue. I'm not sure. It's definitely a mental issue at this point. How many players from last year? I thought maybe, you know, moving Mensa out. As much as I like Mensa, I mean, when your team loses that way constantly and is constantly giving up all the leads that they did last year, not only does it fall on the coach, it falls on your captain as well. That means the captain's not the guy in the room. He's not the leader. He's not the one who calms everybody down. He's not, Or he's not doing the job to get everybody on the same page and getting everybody to relax or calm down or what needs to happen in those moments. So, I mean, part of that is what Mensa, but not everything. But, man, it was... Like, but at the same time, he's gone, and it's still happening. Still happening. Ugh. Bush made a solid save. I know on a free kick. The free kick was pretty far out. He's got to make that save every time he does, so... Do your job. That's all you want from a keeper is to do the job. <laughs> um, another keeper made a really good save off on a Russell Rowe chance. Russell Rowe got in the behind, flipped it, and like their keeper made a really good save. I wish uh, Russell Rowe should have got a little better boot to it, but I think it does take a slight deflection off the St. Louis player. So, but it was a really good save. Their keeper played pretty well. Um, yeah, my overall thoughts on the match because we ended up winning is one, Darlington Nagby is the greatest MLS midfielder of all time. He's not the like he's not the greatest midfielder who's ever played in the MLS. Obviously like there's like Gerard, Pirlo, Frank Lampard, goes like that who are like all time greats for their clubs and their countries and stuff like that. Obviously we're we're better than Nagby was at his peak. But a guy who spent his entire career in the MLS, he's the best midfielder that's ever played in the MLS, in my mind. Like he took a great foul at the end that basically sealed the game. Oh, it was beautiful. You know, he shields the ball so well, he kind of flicks it forward. Two guys come in, and he's able just to draw the foul off both of them, and boom. There was almost a fracas at the end, and I don't understand how only one yellow card was given. I think it was given, who was it given to? I think Farsi. For Holden? Yeah, he held the guy back. It's going to be the yellow card. But then Aiden gets hit and goes over. Then everybody starts coming together. Zawatsky goes down off of somebody pushing him, and Farsi's the only one got a yellow card. I don't know. It was a good game. I thought for 85 minutes, this was the best crew performance of the season. I really thought it was the best performance. I mean, considering they're the top, they're yeah, they're top of the Western Conference. Um, we played extremely well. We looked not, you know, unfazed by them. We were the better team. I'm not sure how much that changes with Berkey and how much changes with Klaus up top, but we looked far superior for almost all this game. Uh, that said, that last 10 minutes was garbage, garbage, garbage. Valencia was really bad for 10 minutes. Been pretty solid for 70 minutes, and then garbage again for 10 more minutes. I don't know. I have not been as harsh on Valencia as a lot of other crew fans have. I thought he's been solid for the most part a couple games. He's very inconsistent. Um, 
but he almost single-handedly cost this team the game. <laughs> it cost the team all three points. Um, yeah, it was not fun to watch him play. So hopefully the new lad is going. Uh, Shaberko, over your wingback, comes in. Uh, Milos has left for Red Star Belgrade in uh, what, Slo- Slovakia. Brandon's got to look up Belgrade real quick. Yeah, Serbia. So, yeah, he went back to Serbia. Um, Never really worked out for Milos. Um, I know some people are very upset. I think it's just the fact that he played in the World Cup is the only reason why they're upset about it because um, they shouldn't be upset by the way he played because he was not very good. But, you know, I thought overall defense did play well. You know, Valiancy aside, Zawadzki and Amundsen played really well. I thought Amundsen was one of the better players on the pitch. Uh, my man of the match was Aiden. I thought Aiden was a machine all night long. He was fantastic. Um, Apple TV gave it to Lucas, which is fair enough because Lucas was also really good. Uh, breaking the press, you know, creating these counterattacks, finding the right man. Obviously scores the goal off the free kick. Really good game overall for Lucas, as always. Uh, but I thought Aiden was the best player on the pitch for us. Um, everybody played well except Valencia. And like I said, Ramirez seemed a little half step off of it. But he wasn't nearly as bad as Valencia. Um, and I do have to give a shout-out to the official. The official was fine. So, I mean, outside there was a point in the second half where he stopped play because somebody had hurt their ankle, which drives me crazy. That's an MLS-only thing, I'm pretty sure. Because the rule is, you know, you, like if there's an injury on the pitch, it's up to the team with the ball to kick it out if that, if they want to. That's the rule. Or it's not the it's basically that's how it is. It's like you know, and usually teams will, but teams have started kind of getting to the point of like you know, so many people are faking injuries and feigning injuries and going down when acting like they're hurt when they're not. That teams have now kind of stopped doing that and they play on. So you know, it kind of came as like if it's a head injury, we do stop play because obviously with concussions, rightfully so, you stop play because you you know that this could be very serious. We need to make sure people are okay. But this guy's just holding his ankle and the ref stops the fucking play because the guy hurt his ankle. Like, and it wasn't even hurt. He just sat around for like a minute, then he got up and he played the rest of the game. This is MLS only. This is nowhere else in the world does they do this. I don't know if it's an MLS thing, because like I said, this isn't the only time I've seen this. This, uh, Matan hit the ball directly into some guy's, like, uh, sternum a couple weeks ago, and he goes down, and I bet it did hurt, but they stopped play for it, and it drove me up the freaking wall. I think that's the one JR texted me. He's like, they stopped play for that? I'm like, they're literally not supposed to. Yeah, but I thought that was, like, really the only issue he had. And also just, I guess the fact he didn't, like, yellow card anybody else in the fracas towards the end was actually a good call, you know. He didn't single anybody out. Um, I thought he was pretty solid. Pretty solid game overall. He made the right call on the, the penalty. Um, I can't think of anything egregious, like, what the hell is he doing? So with that, it's probably the greatest performance by an official in MLS history because he was completely serviceable. Completely serviceable. Greatest performance in MLS refereeing history. Congratulations. <laughs> Hopefully this guy can referee the rest of our games. Jesus. Because I don't want to see... Uh, what's, it, oh, uh, what's his face? The guy I bitched about for two straight weeks now. Um, I haven't heard anything about him fucking up another game yet. But I know it's coming because he's not good. Um, yeah. So good performance from the crew. Good win. Basically, I mean, depends on this Club America-St. Louis game. Probably might, might very well put us in the second round already into the knockout stages, which I don't like. The fact that I don't, I just don't like these three teams. 
But next up is Club America. Club America, one of the better teams in all of Mexico. Uh, they won. So Mexico, their season structure is they play 17 games in one half, and there's somebody who wins that, basically wins that table. Then they play another round of 17 in the second half of the season. And whoever wins that one wins that table. And then those two teams play each other. And if they the same team wins both of them, then they play like the last team who won that wasn't with that team. I don't know. It's kind of a mess. I don't know why they do it this way. Why don't just play one big, long fucking season? They also have playoffs. Club America won one of the groups last year before losing in the playoffs. But this is one of the best teams in Mexico. It's one of the most storied teams in Mexico. It's going to be a lot of fun going to watch this game on Monday. I need to get my schedule switched because right now I'm scheduled to work during that. So I need to get that flipped and switched, bro. Um, I'm excited to go watch this. Uh, I looked over Club America's team earlier. I didn't, don't remember anybody um, off the top of my head in terms of like players. Come on. maybe I think it was like Brian Rodriguez. I feel like I might know who that was. Sebastian Caceres, do I know who that is? I don't know. Jonathan DeSantos. Yeah, I know who he is. He played for... Did he play for Barcelona for a second? Yeah, he played for Barcelona, Villarreal. He went to LA Galaxy. His brother's Gio. Gio Dos Santos. Um, Should be a good game. Hopefully the crew make a good run of it. Um, Win the group, man. Win the group. Obviously the big thing we have, uh, you know... When we played uh, Cruz Azul a couple years ago, we played very defensive soccer. I'm wondering what uh, Big Willie's going to do, whether he's going to play very defensive or if he's going to come out and go for it. Uh, might depend on how the game goes with Club America and St. Louis. If St. Louis win that game, then all to play for in that final. Because, you know, say if it's we won 2-1, that, that goal that we gave up late could be huge because probably goal difference is going to be the big thing. Uh, say, you know, St. Louis win 2-0, over Club America, then Club America come out and beat us, you know, one nil, goal differential wise. Who I think we'd still go through, but they beat us two nil. All of a sudden, I think Club America goes through, and St. Louis Club America. So it, it, yeah, that's why I don't like the three fucking teams. Ugh, it's a disaster in figuring everything out. But it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a really fun atmosphere. I think it's going to be really fun to be there. Uh, check it out on Apple TV. Um, I can't wait, man. I can't wait. It's going to be a great game. It's going to be a great, wonderful, wonderful game. Did I miss anything? Did I miss anything in this game? I don't think I did. Nope. Yep, I talked about all of this. Good job for me. Man of the match, Aiden. And I talked about how Lucas was really good, and so was Amundsen. Um, Also, Amundsen moved out to left wing back towards the end of the game, and he looked really good in his natural position. Who would have thought? Who would have thought a fullback not playing center back and actually playing more of like a fullback wingback role would be better at that? Mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. Once we get everybody healthy. Still think we need... I would like another... I'm glad we got the wingback. Though I thought it was hard. Maybe Farsi moves the center back. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Gives us some options, I guess. But I really didn't think that was the area where we needed options. Because, <laughs> uh, like, even if, you know... Like, Farsi's, like, form goes down. If we got another center back, Marrera can go over there. So, I don't know. Like, am I being dumb? Or is he a left wing back? I'm pretty sure he plays on the right. Do they have him on here yet? Julian Gressel, that's right. 
It says he plays fullback. Cool. Thanks for that. But yeah, he was really good with uh, Atlanta. He was feeding the ball to um, Joseph Martinez, all those on Joseph Martinez break records. Uh, he scores everywhere he goes. He has five goals this season. Like I said, he plays mostly fullback. So he gets forward. He can put the ball in. He's a fantastic crosser of the ball. So I'm really excited about this deal. Um, hopefully it takes this uh, crew revolution to another level, man. Big Willie Style here to take over the league. I am sticking with the Big Willie Style um, until somebody stops me. Because that's a, I don't want to say Nancy, because it kind of comes off like a term of people that I don't like at all. And uh, sometimes it sounds like that. I'm like, wait a second, what did I just say? Um, so that's why I want to say Big Willie Style forever. So. <laughs> Other than that, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Sports Talk for the evening. I don't think there's anything else for me to talk about. We talked about Patrice Bergeron. We talked about Jordan Henderson and kind of Liverpool stuff. Um, if you want to hear more about my Liverpool talk, go find LFC Transfer Room on YouTube, and you can listen to the whole episode. Uh, I think we ended up going a lot longer than I thought we would. He said it was like probably about an hour. I think we did an hour, 20 minutes, maybe a little bit longer than that. It was a good chat. And like I said, you can go see. He's like, wow, these people actually know what they're talking about, not unlike Brandon. <laughs> Other than that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening, understanding all the fun stuff. If you've liked what you've heard, spread the good word. Anywhere the podcasts are available, you can find me. Uh, you can always ask questions for the show at my Gmail, Monster Ate the Pilot, the show at gmail.com. Just remember to put periods in between each word, except after show, if I'm thinking correctly. Tweet me or X me? What's it, what's what's the new term? I don't know. I'll, tweet me or X me or whatever the fuck this thing is now. Um, send me a message on Facebook or just text me straight up. I don't care. Do whatever you want to do. Um, enjoy your night. Enjoy the rest of your week. I'll be back Monday with uh, two more episodes of Lost. And then, well, I, th- I thought I had something planned, but I kind of forgot what it is. But I'll figure it out by then. So thank you so much. Have a great rest of your night. Peace out.